0: This is Brain Fuzz, the art, music, and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. In episode 19, Joe and Matthew join Lacey Haslam in the home of the Archive of Creative Culture and early 70s Airstream Argosy. Creativity and inspiration are explored. Some David Sally is read aloud. Book recommendations are made. But first, what is the project, and how did it get started? We've talked a little bit about this project, but I would like for you to kind of start from the beginning. How did this happen? Where has it been since you and I last talked? In in
1: 2014, I had um, this really life-changing experience in that um, my mentor... And friend and kind of like guide in the art world um, Was diagnosed with cancer And it like happened super quickly And there was this process of um, Coming to terms with You know life and death And um, the gap that I knew he was going to leave And then versus like the gap that he left in my life When wow. he passed away And um, And he was really like the connection He was really the, the person that was Would sit and brainstorm with me you And know, where, where and this is he where did you meet him? So, in San Francisco. This is this is all in San Francisco. Um, during is... my grad school years. Okay. Um, when, you know, he would end up... I mean, he, he helped me move into my grad school um, studio and, you know, just had all of these memories. And we would do things together. He was probably, like... I, I worked for him in a my first gallery position. And, you know, he called me up one day and said, Oh, I'm, you know, trying to get these newsletters out, and can you help me? And I'm in the hospital, and I'm like, skirt, what? You know, um, what's going on? Oh, they're thinking it's this, they're thinking it's that, we don't know, and and it came back with, um, you know, pretty severe form of, pretty aggressive um, cancer. And within about two months, uh, he passed away, and um, it was that process of knowing that he was going to go, and kind of trying to be there while he was in the hospital and dealing with his things, and then also helping mm-hmm. disassemble all of his stuff afterwards um, because I was working with him um, pretty closely with, with his art um, stuff. I knew all of the artists, and I was, like, helping ship stuff back and and all of that, but it, it was in that disassembly of his house after he passed that I really started thinking about all of these objects that... Um, you know have to get purged they have to get given away they have to go somewhere to clear out the house to then sell it and then you know so it's just this
2: and you were left to make these decisions
1: not all of them. i mean i was working with um his his wife and his sister okay. and um things like that so i was working within the family um, that's heavy that's to do this stuff and yeah it was it was a real moment of you know, I've had grandparents that passed, and I've had, you know, friends that passed, but this one was was different because it was such a, a integral figure to my life, and just watching kind of how everybody dealt with, um, you know, his stuff, you know, and, and the memories he had shared with me with, his, with certain objects, and, um, you know, I mean, even the tools that he had from his father and grandfather, and um, the... There's a a significant moment, actually, in the Tech Talk that I talk about his desk, you know, this desk that he made, and the the memory that we kind of shared with him making this desk and bringing it into the gallery and, like, being really excited about it. Um, So it was really kind of going, there are these memories that we store in our objects, and they're personal memories, and they're um, significant, and what happens when we die, where do those memories go? Because not it you know, our, our wives, our, you know, whoever's in our life won't carry those memories on because they're just stuff to them, you know? So when you share a, a deep connection with somebody, you can pinpoint those objects, right? You can pinpoint those, um, maybe they're photos or maybe they're the tools or... Um, I started looking at the books at that time because uh-huh. books really represent... Um, knowledge education uh they're an object that we all have a personal experience with but the varying aspects are what books right so um it's it's that sense of getting to know somebody through a book and like through what they've read and what's inspired them and
0: what is the archive of creative culture
1: the archive of creative culture came through that experience of now collecting books that are significant to arts and cultural figures, um, and it comes directly from their personal library, and each book is identified through a handwritten note of ex-libre in the front of each of these books that say why that book was significant and influential to them in their creative practice. So that was the part that in art we don't always see. We always see the product of somebody's creative thought, right? But yeah. the book is really. This is a symbol and a method to find what. Well, it's like getting into, into
2: somebody's studio, for instance, and like obviously, like you said, you referenced the desk, but looking at what's on the shelves. Yeah. What, uh, you know, that's that's fascinating because that's you start to see like the the ingredients. Right. Maybe. You know, sometimes. You yeah. Know, maybe it's all a ruse.
1: Well, and sometimes you see somebody's messy house, and you understand a little bit more about them, or.
2: So the books, do you solicit? How is this working in terms of do you, or, because I'm fascinated by that. So
1: this is the way that it started building is I got this idea after he had passed, and um, I actually reached out to one of, actually a couple of my graduate school professors and basically said, I've got this idea I hope it's viable, this is, you know, I feel really excited about this, of collecting books from, you know, influential influential books from influential people, um, and to kind of test the idea, I asked uh, one of my instructors, Meredith Trumbull, to be the first to participate, because it was kind of like my try run right, you know, I was presenting her with this project, and she was really interested in it, and then started asking some of these questions of, well, who's going to see it? Who's going to, you know, where's it going to go? I, you know, this right. book is really precious to me. So is that challenge of um, first identifying the book, like which book would she give, but then knowing she'd have to actually let go of that book is another very personal yeah. place to go. Um, giving away this really significant object or this point of reference. That see, I don't
0: think Joe could do that.
2: It depends, because like, or do you cheat and like buy a, like a new copy right, yeah, or something, or do you give the one yeah. that has the margin- marginalia? Yeah. And uh, you know what have you? Um, and but are these they're for sale or they're okay? No, the okay, collection the, stays in yes the collection okay.
1: is the collection. Gotcha. Um, it it is stays for people to explore it, um, and with with Meredith because I was also thinking about it is. It's, the project starts with me, mm-hmm. but I want it to grow indeterminately. I want it to grow organically. I want it to spread. So what I ended up doing is, is offering and actually building into the project that when somebody gives a book, they then nominate three additional people that have been influential to them, you know, for their creative process. Because good. I became interested not about, you know, we, we look up to these specific artists, the ones that are in the museums, the ones right. that we have... You know, the that's names. your map,
2: which I am just dumbfounded by. That's the map. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so I was more interested in who in our personal lives are also working creatively and also pushing each other to maybe move out of our own creative boundaries or you know pushing. So like ourselves. the communities
2: or the networks or what have you, that's great.
1: Yeah. So that's that that part had to live visually, which is something that we haven't done before, is there's always this concept about our, our um, social networks, right, and how our social networks get us to different places, you know, but we've never really seen it, and that's where the visual map comes in, which is an online map that allows you to kind of scroll over who's given a book, and then who they nominated, and how that kind of spreads and grows, um, so that is online as we speak now. Yeah. It's going to continue to evolve and change. On a
2: base level, it's a beautiful drawing.
1: Yeah, it's
0: (laughs) cooling. And then I'm like, oh, wait, it's interactive. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We're sitting, and tell us about where we're sitting.
1: Yes. Okay, so this was the other challenge of like, you know, Meredith posed that question of who's going to see my book. And and because I've worked in galleries and I've worked in museums and I've worked in places that are stationary, um, I really started to look at. How do we become more mobile, but in an intentional way, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And in order to do that, it becomes, well, how how do you do that? Like, you have to have some sort of structure, you know, and what is that structure? And because I kept thinking, okay, well, this project is starting in San Francisco. It's, you know, probably, it's going to expand. It's going to go nationwide. What is an iconic object that is you know rooted in america first of all yeah. which is the airstream yeah. um and so i started researching airstreams and obviously they started back in the 50s and the 60s and yeah. they go all the way through today and the newer ones are hundreds of thousands of dollars and just super slick but i needed to redesign the whole thing i needed to reimagine the interior structure as well as the exterior structure um so I ran into an ex- the experimental branch of the Airstream line, which is the Argosy branch. So Airstream Argosy, and this this was the design that started in the 70s when you know people weren't traveling as much. There was the gas crisis that was happening. It was like the reinvention of the Airstream, and they they were originally the painted Airstream. They were dubbed like the painted Airstream because they would actually use parts of the exterior aluminum that were maybe, like, scratched or just not as perfect.
2: Was that, you think, in any way a response to the 70s van craze? I mean, there's a movie called The Van about, like, you know, like, the Dodge tradesman on, the, like, the Ford Econoline. Like, in the 70s, I'm showing my age here, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, like, the custom-tricked-out yeah. van was everything. Yeah, oh. yeah.
1: And then on top of that, these, the the... What originally attracted me to me this was the first. Is the wraparound windows. Yeah. So this was the first uh, with the argosies. Was the first time that the wraparound windows were put in as the design, and they happened until about like the s- late '70s, and then um, went away when the when they discontinued the argosy, and then came back in the '90s. So the newer airstreams actually have the wraparound windows, but that's how you can kind of tell.
0: It's so much roomier. Than you expect, and, yeah. and certainly standing from the outside looking at it, you don't. No, this is amazing. It, it really is. And you—you you recently you fit how many? Fifteen, you said.
1: Fifteen. Yeah, we had fifteen mm-hmm. in here. Which obviously the this the could interior be a Airbnb running,
2: for you right? know, five grand a night.
1: <laughs> the interior right, design yeah. had to deal with that. Like it had to say, you know, I wanted at least ten people to sit in here comfortably because I felt like that was a nice intimate way of gathering people. You know, it's not. Just nice and quaint. Um, but yeah, we got 15 people in
0: here. The
2: front windows, though, like I'm thinking back to the classic era of passenger train travel. Like that's got to mm-hmm. reference like the Vista Dome uh, passenger cars. I'm trying to think of the double deckers. That uh, This must be a I mean, obviously, you can't legally ride.
1: Nor back. should you no, ride. No.
2: <laughs> being towed. Yeah. But no. theoretically, in theory, in one theory, could. Yeah. Yeah. if one has a
1: well i did um strong
2: constitution
1: for the exhibition in san francisco i did actually film out the windows in here like i set up a camera and filmed out the windows because it was part of that um continuation of um you know moving across the country and what that looks like um
2: and that's great, though, that this actually made the entire trip. Like, sometimes it seems like people cheat, and it's like, oh, we shipped it. And you're like, oh. i
1: <laughs> <No>, we, <laughs> yeah. There's some, we I'm sure, drove it, for better was, or worse. There were some truck stop <laughs> stories, I bet. There, there was there was some things outside of Oklahoma City that we really? <laughs> dare not want to talk about. Yeah, we... Oh, no,
2: that's what we do want to talk about. No, okay, that's exactly that's what, want. Well,
1: yeah. <laughs> so we're driving along, and... <laughs> And all of a sudden, in Oklahoma is unbelievably windy. You know, like, you just get these crazy crosswinds because it's the plains and whatever. And we're just going, 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 going. And, you know, you can feel the car. I mean, we were probably getting, like, nine miles a gallon because the, the headwinds oh, and, yeah. like, you know. And, and the Airstream's actually designed to take wind, crosswind, well. So I couldn't imagine being in one of those little, like, canned hams or something whether they're, yeah know, like, flat um, to the sides um, But we're driving And all of a sudden I hear And I thought I thought, Oh my god is that the wind Like I thought a crosswind came Or we blew a tire or something And, and luckily the, there was an off ramp right there And we pulled off and, and get out and look around And the belly pan had dropped off And dropped all of the insulation <laughs> Out from the underside Of the Airstream, and I don't, I mean, you know, Oklahoma City's hours and hours, and you know, we made it that whole time, and then all of a sudden, you know, the belly pan just...
0: Something's gonna gonna happen.
1: And more things happened, yeah, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that was the biggest one, and and not only that, but like, we're in the middle of nowhere, we had to unhitch the car, take it up to a a gas station, get some tie-downs. And the bank at that time shut my card off because they didn't know. Like, it ran as credit rather oh, than yeah, debit. Right. Yeah. So they're like, they didn't know we were traveling. So they, like, ixnade my card. And I'm trying to be on the phone, and I have no reception. And it was just really super stressful. Um, and then we we finally get the Billy pan back up. And not but a mile down the road is an Airstream repair dealership. <laughs> 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 we were like... The, no way um, so we rolled up in there and and the guy was like yeah, yeah I, I'll do some things for you and within an hour he like bolted the things back up Wow! you know he's like oh we can redo the whole thing in about air and I was like we don't have that time We've got to what get they, to what'd they, they
2: think of like your your modifications were they impressed
1: man everybody I mean we would get we would stop it airs you know rest stops and people would come up like this couple from San Francisco was like, "Oh, we're just traveling. We want one of these. You know, they want to tour it. I mean, it's every time. Every time somebody stops us and." and talks Do you about
2: follow? Because is- I just read there was a great article in a recent New Yorker about uh, you know van life. Yeah. Like for instance, yeah. in, in Instagram and how like an aspirational. You know, like we, everybody wants to be free. Like quit the job yeah. and just live in your van. And, and you know, the photography, like you know, open the back yeah. window yeah. and yeah. there's yeah. the beach and all that. And the reality is like you know, like truck stops and. <laughs> yeah, you know, RV, you know,
1: RV but, um, parks. Like, I'm sure,
2: there's some freedom.
1: There really is, and I think that's the most interesting aspect of like getting into this whole renovation because there's a lot of people that are out there renovating, doing incredible things with these, you know, these airstreams, and some people are doing really silly things like. Dude, that is not going to travel. I will tell you that it looks incredible, but that will not travel.
0: (laughs) Did you have any history with that before you jumped into this project? No. Because you're throwing some lingo around like you've been in this for...
1: No, yeah.
0: Because I have to say, like, I
2: knew you fairly well, I thought, Mm -hmm. and then suddenly... You you thought? thought. Then I suddenly see, like, power tools (laughs) and a complete (laughs) gut job on it, and I'm thinking, this is, like, way outside of my, like, comfort zone with power tools, and, um, it's very impressive.
1: Thank you. Just
2: this, like, holy, you know, I'm just gonna go for it. I mean, you, like, you ripped this down to... To the the, bones. Yeah.
1: Yeah. To the bones, and it was, um, I think I had, I, I had a very significant moment when, the floor was pulled up, the walls were down, like all the insulation was out. Yeah, that's the wires are like hanging. Yeah. Um, there's a the back moment back. of self-doubt <laughs> maybe?
2: Like what have <laughs> <Yeah>. I done? <laughs>
1: yeah. I did. I did. I sat in here and was like, I know exactly why people stop here and like sell it off as a show. I need help. Yeah. It was and then and then probably within another week or so, you know, it was like pull it together, get the insulation in. Start with the flooring, and the flooring was actually probably one of the most challenging things, like the the subfloor. And then me being five four and carrying these huge, you know, pieces of plywood that you know, and trying to hammer them in and getting them no. right was just that was that was physically and and mentally the biggest challenge of this entire thing.
0: When did the collection of the materials begin? Before or after? Like Way before, yeah. Way before.
1: Mm-hmm. 2014, and then I bought this in the condition that I bought it in was December of 2015. Okay. Yeah.
0: So did you didn't use this to kind of sell that idea of, hey, let me have your materials.
1: mm No. Um, no. It was the books first. It's all, like, the project's always been the collection first, and then... How do we best get it out in front of people, um, and and this was the way that I saw fit.
2: I, yeah, I think for logistical
1: brilliant. reasons and for like you know, yeah. for kind of iconic reasons as well.
2: Because I I read looking at your website and obviously a statement that really resonated was you said like you know what happens when you move artwork outside of the white wall gallery mm-hmm. space, which you know I think everybody thinks about. And you know, you not only moved it out of the space, you know, this idea of mobility and uh, and access. I think, you know, again, like yeah. to you know, here we are sitting in a, in a parking lot, the most beautiful vehicle, um, you know, versus sitting in, a, in an institution. Um, and you've traveled, uh, I think, to date. What there's four or five mm-hmm. stops so far. Like, where did that come from? If, you know, a to get outside of you know an institution, you know, like the, the be at grad school or a museum and all that, mm-hmm. but to literally take art to a, to a, to a people or an audience that is not going to be exposed to this stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Where did where did that come from?
1: So this this is part of the evolution of the project. Um, when in two thousand fourteen and prior to that, I was actually um, I started a, a kind of almost pop-up gallery situation where it wasn't really a pop-up. It was it was a curatorial program that looked at public space and alternative spaces as gallery, as exhibition space. Mm-hmm. So what I, I did for two years um, back-to-back was took over a city block in Oakland on 9th Street in yeah. Old Oakland, and I wrangled in the business owners and took their... Uh, Front store windows, and created a new media art exhibition in those windows. So we outfitted with with monitors, with um, projectors, and curated artists in that space. So, and that ran from usually Thanksgiving to Christmas, and it was it worked twofold. It was to kind of get people out out of like a gallery and going to a gallery and going into their own public space and experiencing in a different way.
2: Yeah,
1: But also um, to get people to a place where there's local shops, where they can do their Christmas shopping, and they were also doing their own events as well. So it became kind of a community party each weekend for you know, those five weeks. Um, but what I noticed in being there, and, and the first year was different than the second year. The second year, um, the Black Lives Matter protests were happening. It was a really tense time to be in downtown Oakland. Um, and the movement itself was fantastic. It was the anarchists that kind of came out during those protests that were actually damaging these, like, small businesses and things like that, and I remember having two projectors set up, um, on a corner, um, building, and the window in between the two windows where the projectors were set up got smashed so it was a really um the second year was a really trying year for for the exhibition but even when it was quiet um i noticed how quiet it was and people were having this hard time of saying identifying it as art you know they would kind of pass it and think oh that might be advertisement or they're just just totally not paying attention and you know no, nothing to say about the work. The work was really fantastic. Had it been in a, a quiet space and in a gallery, but since it was on the street, it had a very different feeling. And I, I selected work that sure. was supposed to have that that um, ambu- amb- ambiguity to we, it. We so. talk
2: about that all the time, though. Like you know, let's face it, the space is is very important in terms, like especially nowadays, with everyone being yeah. so like kind of frantic. Um, you know, to quiet quiet you down, slow you down, mm-hmm. and whether the museum, almost like museum is church yeah. kind of thing, you know, it's hushed, and is that what it takes to, like, maybe put your phone down for two seconds and actually have to look at something and wrestle with something versus yeah. just, eh, nah, I'll keep scrolling. Um, so in the public, Absolutely. I'm sure people are thinking, like, what am I being, is this a put-on? Like, what is this? Yeah,
1: uh, it was And a in the question. city especially, because
2: mm-hmm. I'm thinking people are on guard, like,
1: well, and, and Oakland in particular um, had the highest per capita, per, uh, highest artist per capita in any city in the country. So it was an incubator for artists. Like, it should have been, you know, it, it was well attended, don't get me wrong, yeah. but it was, it was also reaching to this other demographic that wasn't the artist. Um, and even just listening to them ask questions and, you know, whether or not they're engaged or not, it, it was... I just started to see that huge division between art people and non-art people, um, and that's where the book came in, because I kept thinking, is there an object that everybody has a definite association with, but also brings them into this art world in a very um, inviting way? And that,
0: that is what bothers me so much, yeah. is, is that division. So many people avoid it because they don't think they speak the language, or they well, yeah, don't they, they, feel they're like they're part of the
2: community. Of being, like I don't want to feel dumb, or like is this is that really the painting? Or oh, that was the drop cloth. And sometimes the right. drop right. cloth is, yeah. is yeah. the yeah, work. Yep. Yeah, right. <laughs> but they don't yeah. want to.
1: Well, it's at, at some level it's uncomfortable if you don't have the association, right? Like there's a level of discomfort when you're faced with a painting that you know nothing about and doesn't tell you what to think about right? Oh, I feel like that all the time, though.
2: Yeah. And I'm like, right. I'm, I'm, I'm so, right. I read a lot, but I'm you, somewhat, yeah, yeah. somewhat educated, yeah, I do this for a living, you. and I'm like, right. yeah. wow, like, I don't know what as, the b- is going on yeah, here. Yeah, think
1: about it as a 20-year-old kid, like, I mean, so I teach 1107 basis art class, and they're just like, I like the idea of art, I don't know what art is, and I'm uncomfortable around it, you know? And, and that's kind of the...
2: Yeah. But it goes back to what you said earlier though cuz like I think the like the the high level of art is like, you know, like MoMA, you know, Jackson Pollock or Yeah, you or, get your or, or, expressionist or the Met, you and know, like, Rembrandt. Here it is. This is yeah. art, but that isn't.
1: And the and associations are the uber famous, right? The associations when you say art, immediately Mona Lisa comes to mind. Yeah. Comes to mind. Yeah, like all of these Got to be
2: Schnabel. <laughs> Got to be Schnabel. Just That name,
1: but the, yes, that's art, but there's so much more to it, and and looking at it in historical context versus contemporary context is a very different conversation as well.
2: So, where does so, that start? Because I, I like when I look at like kind of my notes, and yes, you know, we actually do prep for these things, it might not sound sometimes, <laughs> but um, I uh, I just was kind of curious, like, so obviously, there's a huge um strain of, like, collecting, organizing, like, mm-hmm. a taxonomy in, in what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so you go to art school. Like, how, how do you think you wound up where you are right now?
1: So, my graduate thesis work um, was rooted in trailers. Like, okay, actual right. mobile homes. Right. I right? saw so, that. Um, as a kid, we moved around pretty extensively. I mean, we, we were born in Nevada, we lived a couple of houses in Nevada, a couple houses in Texas, a couple of houses in North Carolina. I went to New York, came back to North Carolina, went to California, like came back. So there was never this sense of like home and placement for me. Um, and being kind of my longest stint being in the South, I started looking at mobile homes as these really unique objects in that they are mass-produced, uh-huh. But the facades on some of these things during a certain period of time were architecturally s- astounding, right? Like not astounding in the Straight. in the quality way, yeah. right? It right. was astounding in the in the design way. Um, and so I kind of looked at them within the mobile home park, which is which is really quite a community I mean there's usually people like hanging out outside yeah, there's kids right. are riding bikes a, like, lot a lot of community a lot of so, community so and the there's idea there's some engagement going on <laughs> yeah, the idea that like these homes are meant to travel <laughs> she's buzzing
0: yeah don't let, don't that, let that derail you
2: <laughs> right. yeah it, it can be off-putting most of our guests don't really hit that too often she's scoring well uh, anyway. What? Is, let me ask you something
0: yeah what oh. is the... Di- uh That's the <laughs>
2: great... You know, I love it, because that's the most disarming... Yeah, so let me ask you let something, ask and I fall question. for it every I mean, time
0: I walk right no, into No, I'm glad I didn't even mm-hmm. think about this uh, conversation. Absolutely. Honestly, mm-hmm. let me ask you this question. <laughs> I didn't think about this going, going in this direction, uh, but... We talk about the tiny home movement, and yeah. somehow that's okay. Mm. But the mobile home... It's yeah. a status yeah. thing. I know it's a status So you've got But you really If you think about it You have tiny homes You have mobile homes Mm -hmm. And then you have Manufactured homes Right Right
1: And then you have Big mansions
0: But
2: prefab And tiny Like you look at Dwell Like I like Dwell Dwell is like porn for me I'm like oh my god Everybody does Yeah (laughs) But You know you think about it You know but a mobile home Is still like Mobile home The idea But like why isn't that Minimalism But then you start talking about (laughs) Right 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 What is minimalism
1: Oh. I think it's, it's and this is that's what I was that's what I was interested in is like in a time and, and this is 2008 2009 when the ec- you know the economy just boom. like yeah. you know crapped out on everybody but um, this idea of like what is minimalism what exactly do we need to survive you know these, these mobile homes are designed to move at any given point but they don't because right maybe economic reasons yep. um, maybe not um, and the idea that these mobile homes, if the wheels are on the home, it's an asset, and if the wheels are off the home, it's real estate.
0: That is so true. So, I've never thought about it in that. Yeah. Uh...
1: So there's these other like tax things that happen, and like, are you renting the plot that you're on? So it it really yeah. is this little like micro, you know, look at um, at economy in in it essence. Is. So it, it all kind of came around, and then the idea that they're prefab, you know, you can buy one off the lot or off off an assembly line and go plop it down wherever you want to be. Um, so it's the idea of like multiples versus individuals. So being in printmaking, I was coming out with technology printmaking, so it was a lot of, yeah, like, oh, what is the multiple? Um, so I made a series of books, actually, one book, 10, 10 in the time, edition. Right kind of to, to emphasize that sense of, like, individuality, but multiplicity and all of that. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was just this, this idea of, of what, you know, what is authentic, what is not authentic, what is quality, what is not quality, what do we need, what do we don't need, you know, in this world, and especially moving around. You know, that lot, That
2: huh? is what really struck me, and I kind of have some notes here about like, you know, moving and relocation and dislocation, and yeah. I, I was, you know, moved around quite a bit uh, in my life, and, and, you know, think about it now as an asset, you know, at the time it can be yeah. kind of traumatic as a, as a kid, you know, to like, oh, another school, and...
1: But uh, in that, you got to reinvent yourself. And that's what I ended up
2: sometimes badly.
1: Right, right. It depends <laughs> on who talked like to first in class, right? <laughs> like. Oh,
2: I learned the hard way. But, um, but, but to also though, to be able to experience like different parts of the country, like what a what a luxury, yeah. you know, like to see like you know the Northeast or Chicago or Detroit or in the South and um, yeah, like that obviously is a huge part of your practice.
1: Yeah, this I, wan- I this
2: wanderlust. Like, do you are you yearning to like? I want to take the wheels off and block it, or are you just like, no, I'm going mobile?
1: Totally mobile.
2: (laughs) There's our song. (laughs) One of the greatest, seriously though, no, no, you can go on YouTube and they're just like, I guess it's like from an app or something, but they can separate like the the tracks. There's a track of just Pete Townsend's acoustic guitar and Mm -hmm. Keith Moon's drums. And that's what he was playing along to. It's one of the, I mean, the most amazing propulsive drum tracks with an acoustic guitar. I mean, listen to that yeah. sound. I mean, okay. <laughs> go on mobile. Go on mobile. We
1: can edit that. Well, out. And, and the other I mean, the, the other thing that I actually kind of traverse is this the term moving versus mobile. Um, because I call it a moving well, museum yeah. rather than like a mobile gallery or mobile museum because gallery tends to have some connotations of like commercial space, right? Um, But mobile, to me, and, you know, maybe somebody could, you know, add to this conversation, but mobile just means you're just, you can move, right? But moving, to me, denotes some sort of direction, right? Like you're, when you move, you go from one place to another place. Yeah. So it's a really slight nuance in those terms, but for some reason, this idea of moving, you know... project some sort of, like, forward motion, um, which is what I I envision this to be, you know. So, are,
2: I mean, I'm going to ask a practical question. Like, so right now there are some amazing books that I'm lusting over on the counter over there. Yeah. Um, like,
0: are all the books in here right now?
1: No, they're not. And
0: so you've limited our selection today to five titles? Yes. Okay. Which? Yes. Uh, We're going to read out loud. Two them in their entirety. In their entirety. <laughs> Until the batteries run, were... <laughs> But, I mean, two of them, I'm like, all right. Uh, are you how, how familiar are you with, uh, out of the five, are you...
2: Uh, I'm good with,
0: like, I think two. Yeah.
2: And, uh, two. and there's somewhere, like, I can't pronounce that, and it sounds amazing. The author? Anything. Wow. But I think yeah. if you could throw that out in a question, like, in a, you know, after a talk, <laughs> yeah, people are yeah, just yeah. like, oh, he's bright. Yeah. Yeah, he's wow. So well, I was reading the, the Prussian translation <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's so much nuance. Oh yeah,
0: <laughs> but out of the th-
1: with my got- agency. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well, I'm a book fanatic. <sighs> Thank you, and uh, but I I think about that a lot because like you know and I don't buy, I don't collect books like I buy books like because it's trying to yeah. continue to like unlock this puzzle that I can't quite figure out which right. is you know, but that thought that, uh, you know where do they go, later and you know, you hope that they. Somebody can benefit from them. And now I'm like, actually, it's horrible because I'm getting older. Like, I don't put my name in my books anymore. And like, really? I'm getting a little more reticent about writing in them, which is horrible. I, mean, I... I have never put my name in. Oh, I didn't. When ever. I was eight, I put my.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> have you? Don't... How did you yeah, do that? I don't know. It just was one of those, like, I'm here, I guess. I don't know. Um,
1: I think no... that's significant, though.
2: <laughs> it is. And now, but now I'm like yeah. kind of nervous. I'm like, oh, but. You know, like, maybe this book because then you're also, I, I actually, you know, my brother turned me onto this, and he was, like, an English major, he was like, because I, I, like, would write and underline, he's like, yeah. and he was, like, the pure, purity of the page, He's like, I will not, like, you know, he didn't use the word besmirch, but he might as well have yeah. um, and ask for great book bon afterwards, He <laughs> you know, it's one of those where I'm like, but it's utilitarian, but... Then you're thinking, like, wow, like, so, like, a book that, like, a Bruce Davidson book that I have with my name in it, Mm -hmm. you realize, like, oh, yeah, you just, like, took any value out of that unless I become famous. But, um, you've got me thinking, and I'm reading a book right now called Do Not Sell at Any Price, and Uh it's the wild, obsessive hunt for the world's rarest 78 RPM records by, um, Amanda Petrasich. And, um, it's an extreme in terms of hunts for 78s, but, like, you know, we're... Mm -hmm all record collectors and book collectors and that sort of thing, um, but there was one really salient point that I thought where she brought up Harry Smith, who basically put together the um, anthology of American folk music, which, you know, know, how many records, uh, which uh, these things would have been lost to existence, but this notion of... um, that she brought up I hadn't really thought about it, but it, specifically of Harry Smith kind of repositioning like the collector rather than the critic or scholar as the architect of a canon like as the arbiter or as a storyteller mm-hmm. and just blew me away with what you're doing which mm-hmm. is exactly like I'm going to take this very distinct not the right word um, not minute focused yeah. collection but you're also not doing what a lot of these people do which is like going a you know, sequester it to like some you know fifth floor apartment in the yeah. in the Chelsea right. Hotel that no one sees. You're actually like want to then share it with people, and drive across Texas and lose your <laughs> L- lose your what did you call it
1: Bellypan. Bellypan. Lose the, belly, belly pan. <laughs> drop your belly pan in Texas, <laughs> <buddy. Bam>.
2: no, <laughs> Actually, in Oklahoma. <laughs> right. Out, uh, how many
0: do you have total? I think I'm wrapping up right around fifty at the moment.
1: Okay. Um, And the reason So some people will go Oh, 50, that's not a lot And some people will go, oh, okay Because, you know, it's gone for You know, three years now Um,
0: But it's one book per
1: It's one book per person And every book that I have now I have three more people to reach out to So um, There's a collection that's out in San Francisco At the um, Museum of Craft and Design In an exhibition So they have 14 or 15 books. There's another collection that's at Wavepool um, Contemporary Art Center, or Art Gallery in Cincinnati, um, Ohio, and they might have 15 books. So the, the idea, some of the future ideas to get a, a couple of additional um, institutions to house books. Like I would um, reach out on behalf of them to be part of a collection that remains on site so if we say say we get eight more institutions on on board. Um, then eventually those will actually rotate, you know, because they're all locally sourced um, to help the project kind of grow and be accessible. Um, then you know maybe Cincinnati will go to San Francisco, and San Francisco will go yeah. maybe to. New Orleans or, you know, was, I'm no
0: mathematician, but you're looking at exponential growth here.
1: Exponential growth. So but you
0: are a futurist. I'm a futurist. I'm no yes. mathematician. But I can look, I can see in the future Yes. that you would have trouble storing all of that.
1: Yes. So. Eventually. So yeah. that's kind of where that component plays a part. Um, but there will be in future, hopefully very near future, um, a facility that will open up and there will be... A library associated with it, where people can come and access it, um, not take the books out or any of that. It would be yeah. more like a reference library where they, people can come and. No, I think that's great, books. and I
2: mean, I, I feel like I'm on a ramble here with the Harry Smith thing, but like mm-hmm. I think that was something where he amassed this amazing record collection, and everyone was like, "Well, what happened to it?" And suddenly, right. to read in this book, which I won't be a spoiler, but to you know, for the author to be in these like basement storage vaults of like you know libraries yeah. in New York and like you know this man's intent, his whole life was for this to be exactly in order, it's important yeah. I made this you know, the, the canon and you know, a lot of stuff suddenly kind of leaked, leaked away right. and nowadays I guess, I think I mean, I think there's, maybe it's the nostalgia boom or just an awareness no, but we seem a the lot, lot more boom, yeah. a lot more, nostalgia isn't what it used to be sorry <laughs> Thing. Um, I'd make a million <laughs> if I put that on shirts and now I just gave that away. Yeah. I uh, won't run so to. Now. Damn it. Edit that out. Oh. <laughs> but you know, but to think about that, like how do you keep things together? And I think it is uh-huh. important. And like books, especially in mean, a few, it was only a few years ago where magazines and, you know, newspapers and books were like records were, Oh, it's over. Yeah. You know, no one's. Yeah. And now, but you know, obviously we're sitting within feet of an amazing record store. And, yeah. uh, there's a, there's a hunger for it, but I mean, to actually, um...
1: Yeah, but, in, and I also have to wonder, like, when they said records are over, was it the commercial aspect of records being over, or was it, because I don't think the nostalgia ever went away, there is a certain level of value, like, people... For the
2: masses, I mean, right. like, the... you know, there are a few stores where you're like, wow, you guys have hung on through all of this, yeah. or Athens, yeah. Right, yeah. Georgia, yeah. for instance, but, yeah. um... You know, it's great. Like, the one thing that I will say that, you know, yeah, I'm paying more for vinyl now, but the amount of offerings is fantastic. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd love to replace my copy of blah, blah, blah and get it on 180 gram. That sounds, you know, or it's been, you know, maybe it's been even been remixed or remastered. That's fabulous. But yeah. I just don't want to have to pay, like, $30 more for it.
0: I think of. the they Is the marketers Right mm-hmm. I mean You know They sold us cassettes Because we couldn't take but cassettes are coming back I know But they, the first time They sold us cassettes Because we couldn't take Records into our car Right
2: And 8-Tracks sucked so bad Unless you had a matchbook To sit underneath it oh. <laughs> And I was young for that though right. I was still yeah. I was 10
1: Nintendo's back Probably Nintendo is back Is
2: Pong coming back?
0: probably. So you get the three names, Mm. and then you're the one that does the asking? Yeah. Really? I do. Can you share any of those experiences?
1: Yeah. The provost of uh, San Francisco Art Institute, I had a, well, he was provost at the time, but I had this um, wonderful meeting with him, and, you know, he asked all these questions of... You know, I just moved and I purged a lot of my books, and I'm I don't have the book. But he shared this memory about when he was maybe eight or so and walking through Woolworth, Woolworths, if you guys remember. Yeah. What that was. I, I don't. But Woolworths. Uh.
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he um he ran he was you know eight and like had you know a couple nickels or something to you know spend on candy uh. and, and walk past a. a Bookshelf sh- that had like sale books, and he ran into um, uh, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, one of his books, and that's what spawned him into architecture. Really? So yeah, you know, just these these really significant moments that um, I'm in conversations of getting those. Intimate conversations so into Are those recorded
2: form. or those They're,
1: They will be in book form right.
2: like, like, like You, you amaze yeah. me in terms of like being like this like, like Again like a Harry Smith or Alan Lomax In terms of like this archivist
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Which is no it's great Did yeah. you see that I mean did you know that that was a part of your Is it a no. part of your personality
1: no, I, um, So interestingly enough I, I, I've I always been interested in um, Kind of Anthropology and okay, kind of okay. tracking Um you know, even ancestry. I'm interested in that stuff. But it, being an archivist was never really the something that was part of my practice. It was more interested in, you know, social aspects of what art does. And then, yeah, and then th- the way that things evolve just provide these really incredible encounters. And I and I think that's the the part about this project that really gets me is making connections that I never would have. Made and it's so
2: open ended, which is fabulous. Yeah, I mean, this can just go on. Um, yeah. And, and there's a great hook, which is like, and you've got this beacon, you know, um, and I don't mean to sully it, but like, you know, of, of nostalgia, I mean, yeah. a beautiful, we're sitting in a beautifully restored, polished airstream, you know, the epitome of, of freedom and the American dream, you know, and, and Kerouac, and I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to be able to then bring this archive You know, again, instead of it being like, well, you have to ask permission and who knows to go to, like, these rare books, you know, and they they exist, Mm -hmm. but, like, you know, who, again, who has access to these things? And if you're working in an institution or, you know, a college, yes, you know that, but the average person doesn't. And I'm still thinking there's power, whether they even open the book, but just the spines alone offer a world of inspiration and or... I mean, every day when I get out of bed, that's what I'm thinking about. Like, what, where is the inspiration, you know, like?
1: Well, that's the thing what is what keeps, feeds the machine? what keeps us going. I mean, we're, you know, as artists, we're working just tirelessly for something that, you know, most people get up and go to work and they have a high-paying job and, you know, all those kinds of things. You know, that, that becomes motivation. But as artists, it's not, you're not necessarily... Right going to know, you don't know you're going to work and going to make money. You're going there, you're going to work in your studio because it's something you have to do. You have to do it, and no one going. and I
2: always kind of, you know, say like, you know, and, and no one cares, you know, whether you're in there or not. Yeah. Which is, you know, which is a healthy kind of writing mechanism but we've been trading this book back and forth, this David Sally book. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was kind of talking about, you know, his advice to, to grads. Have you? Do you know about this? How to no. see no. David Sally? Mm-mm. I love the Susian uh, artwork, though. It looks like Go Dogs Go. Look at the cover. Did you guys read it? Do- no, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no. It's mm-hmm. before your time. You you picked it up at a
0: Woolworths. <laughs> I did. <for> five cents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, this is this is from the essay. Art is not a popularity contest. A commencement address given at the New York Academy... A commencement address given at the New York Academy of Art 2011. Get ready.
1: Okay.
0: Taking a few steps back, we find ourselves at the subject of art school. Art school is like every other kind of school, only more so. It's a kind of fiction that masks a challenging situation. Whatever your expectations about the world you're poised to enter... The simple truth is this. Nobody is waiting for you to take a seat at the table of esteemed creators. Nobody's even waiting for you to take your place at the table of studio assistants. No one's waiting, period. You'll go from an environment where people regularly respond to what you do and who you are to a world where your calls probably won't be returned. There's likely to be no echo at all. This shift is more dramatic than you might imagine And it will test your inner resources And very desire to be an artist Chances are You won't have it easy It won't feel easy in any case
1: React Amen Really? Yeah No, I think that's it
0: That's some tough love, isn't it?
1: It needs to be said
0: Whether you You know, art school Just existing in a community of creatives I would say that that's true At some point, you get pushed out of the nest, right?
1: That is my one point of... (laughs) If I ever give, you know, this...
2: Another TED Talk?
1: No! (laughs) Hopefully. If I ever give any advice to a student that's leaving undergrad, it's if you're planning on going to grad school, go to a place that you're gonna be for a long period of time that you can make the connections. Because once you're done with that academia, it's really like, and, and if you move away, you move away from that community and the people that are gonna network with you and know your work inside and out and be able to promote you to other people, you know, you, you, you move away from that. Um, so if you go someplace, you make the connections, you study under certain teachers, you be proactive in all of that, um, that's kind of how you build. And that's, that is the power of our network. You know, It's not just the power of school. School is there to compress so much information at a very little p- amount of time, right? It's, it's really there to like pick and poke at you um, until you're super raw. And then <laughs> whatever you decide to do with that afterwards, Amen. More power to you. Nobody's going to care, you know. Um, you might get criticized. You might get praised. But it's your network that is the yeah. basis of this community. It's the people that you make connections with. Um, and I think that's, I mean, I think that's just the, the main what they're kind of summing up but i i think that students come out of the undergrad thinking i'm gonna make a million dollars and i'm gonna yeah. you know be this great artist and, well, and just like a job i mean it's why not i so go like back to that
2: map of yours and i'm like that is so important when you think about and I, I heard that like entering grad school and they're like look around like this is this is your your network if you you know if you're smart i've also
1: heard this is your competition and i hate that like that drives me i think that's
2: at a higher level like i I had the luxury i think of being in a place where you could work and and make and not but like i'm sure and i won't name names but like you know like as we traveled and and showed at other schools and you realize like oh my god some of these places it's like a meat market oh
1: yeah
2: um i do think that needs to be said you want to hear some schnabel I'd love some schnabble You want some schnobble? But I, I really want to be in some pajamas to hear it <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so What's the website And what if somebody wants to buy something?
1: Like a book out of the collection?
0: Well, they can't buy the books from the collection But Right,
1: okay So the website is www.archive-project.com Alright Okay on the website you can do a couple of things you can explore that graph that map the interactive um, data map you can donate to the project Um, you can shop so we're going to have a little like museum shop in here and you can also forthcoming sign up for a book subscription so the book subscription wow. is going to be organized by asking maybe a contributor to the collection to say, select three books that every artist should have in their collection, and you can sign up for that subscription. Oh, that's
2: great. That so, is great.
1: So it kind of takes this the collection in a different route. I mean, if somebody comes in and says, how can I get Catch-22? I could probably order it for them um order a copy for them obviously the collection stays the collection but um if they're interested in, in getting a copy i could probably order it for them wow yeah the, the subscription is forthcoming that's in like right at the cusp of launching so i could i could talk to rudolph reeling and say what are the three books every artist should have in their collection and you can sign up You won't know I mean, What it's You don't right know what nice. you, you don't know What you're gonna get yeah. Until it arrives Yeah That's kind of The, the right. question mark But um, by having You know Some of these contributors Recommend These books um, Have you had anybody
0: Challenge the medium How so Like um, Okay it's not a book But it's available Online Or it's Is it an album Oh
1: Like um, Challenge What a book is Right. Yes. You have? Um, Yes and no. So my first, there's a design company in Amsterdam that was wanting to contribute a PDF book that they had created. Right. Um, So some contributors give books, like John um, Hershen gave The Thing the book, which is a book that he produced, but it was his ultimate, like, you know, book. So um, I do allow... Some of these contributors to give books that they had made. Um, so I—that is the first challenge in that way of like providing a PDF. So it's coming up with how do I display a PDF? Right. So that could come in through an iPad or some sort of you know yeah. digital copy. Um, that type of thing. I, I'm, and I'm not sure that I would even print it out and place it up. I think I would keep it in digital right. format. Yeah. Um, in its display. So.
2: Can we turn that question to you? Like, are there three books, or are there, I don't care what the number is, that you think everybody should have in a studio?
1: I've got, like, a huge, um...
2: No, I mean, I realize that's going to change by the day or the hour. But, like, right now, like, like if, if you were sitting with a student or an artist, mm-hmm. like, or either one of us, like, what do you, what, right now, would you say, like, I want, you should have this
1: in your You guys should definitely have The Gift, um, by Lewis Hyde, if you haven't had that before. Um, that book was one of the first that was given to the collection by Meredith Trimble okay. and the exhibition at the Museum of Craft and Design is um, created using excer- excerpts from that book from her book so that is on display okay. and there's quotes um, around it but the gift by Lewis Hyde kind of sounds a lot like do not sell at any price like yeah. this, what is the value of the creative mind and it's not a commercial thing um And this idea of giving um, objects and exchanging is kind of the core of society, I guess. Wow. Um, Okay. Fantastic freaking book. You can flip to any page and pull a quote out of there and just be, like, mind blown. I would have never picked that
0: book out. Really? And that's the beauty of this whole project. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And I hadn't known about it until it was given to the project, so... You just run across these books that you're like, never would have known.
0: Thank you so much. This has thank been you. great. Yeah, this is amazing. The, the growler is out. Yeah. That means Our work time is done. That's <laughs> right. Really, thank you. Thank amazing.
1: you, Lacey. Thanks, guys. Appreciate
0: it. Connect with Joe and Matthew and find out more about this and other episodes at brainfuzzpodcast.com. On social media, share your thoughts and comments with hashtag BrainFuzzPodcast. Now, go get your shenabalon.